The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Brett King. Welcome to episode 72 of the Boys of Tech for Tuesday the 29th of June 2010. My name is Edwin Herman, I'm one of the hosts, the other one is Brett King. Welcome Brett. Howdy. Brett, I understand you were at a friend's place and there, there are cats there and you're allergic to cats. Uh, yes. What does it do when you're around cats? What, what happens? Oh, I've just got bad allergies. <laughs> Lots of sneezing. Watery eyes and all that? Yep. Yep, oh, that's watery horrible. eyes, lots of sneezing. What about breathing? Do you get because I I get that with cats. You know, I've I've got asthma, but it triggers my asthma when I'm around cats, and I just it's like my throat closes up and I can't breathe. Do you get that as well? Yeah, well, depends on how severe the their reaction is, how close to the cats I get. So, <laughs> so what do you do? Do you take antihistamines or what? Yeah, yeah, I take an antihistamine before I go anywhere that's I know is going to have a cat, and then have a nice. Bundle up my clothes and stick it in the washing machine when I get back. Oh, man. Maybe you should, yeah. I guess, and the cats not being around doesn't make a difference, does it? Because their fur's everywhere. Oh, indeed. Oh, that's so annoying. It's almost, it is, but they're yeah. everywhere, so. <laughs> what can you do? Well, exactly. All right, so we'll kick off the show, Brett. A few stories this week. Australia, this is an interesting one. Australia is proposing what effectively is a warrant of fitness before you can connect your computer to the internet? They are. It, it's a proposal and some uh, prominent people are behind it. Uh, a cybersecurity consultant who was what he used to be the security chief of eBay or something, Alistair McGibbon, is all behind this current proposal. And yeah, well, once again, it's, it's really quite bizarre. <laughs> The proposals. The proposals are passing. It's pass the buck, make the user have to do everything, make the ISP be responsible for enforcing it, and make the government just tell everybody what they should be doing. So when you say the government, like if this became law, the law would state that ISPs are forced to monitor security of the of, of their users' machines. Indeed. And do all the blocking and that kind of thing. Yep. And there's a lot of contention there about whether or not the government has any actual legal responsibility or ability to do that because that is the government meddling with contractual obligations between an ISP and their customers. Yeah, but they can. They can just pass a law. I mean, you know what I'm saying. I mean, once it's law, it's a law. But yes, I know what yeah, people are sort of uh, not happy with that. But yeah, it's, it's very it, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't go down well with a lot of business. Well, one of the things that kind of worries me is, uh, I, I you know, if this goes ahead, how's it going to be worded? How's it going to be? What are the rules, if you like? Because one of the things that was talked about was that users would have to install antivirus software and firewalls. Now. Yep. What antivirus software, what firewall, what, what are the minimum configurations for those? 
What if you're on Linux or Mac or some obscure OS? What if you're on, I don't know, BIOS or something? Precisely. And, you know, like, or can you just, are you not allowed to connect if, if you're yeah, on? Yeah, there's, there's been a lot of different wordings and things thrown around about that. One of them that I read was that the ISP would be obliged to check your computer to see whether or not you had installed one of their recommended antivirus softwares, their recommended firewall configurations, their recommended... Um, you know, any spyware or whatever, their stuff, and that they would check to see whether or not you had the programs that they recommended and whether or not they were the appropriate updated versions. And if you weren't, they would disconnect you from the internet. That leads you to all kinds of things about who would propose that sort of thing. Only people who were involved in that sort of industry. And it would make ISPs want to get into relationships with specific antivirus vendors and it would block out, it would be very anti-competitive to other antivirus vendors who were not the recommended vendors for that particular ISP. You would be forced to use those ones and who knows whether or not that's going to affect the pricing of those antivirus programs for delivered through the ISP to those users. And that brings in the other point of if the ISPs are going to be doing this and they'd be doing this by what? Installing, having you install some watcher software on your computer to make sure that when you connect, it checks your system to see if you've got approved antivirus and they're up to date and then sends that information off to the ISP and the ISP goes, okay, they've ticked all the boxes, they can stay online. But if you don't tick all the boxes and they kick you offline, how is it that you're supposed to update your antivirus? How is it you're supposed to get a new antivirus? <laughs> That's a good question. What are I they going to do? <laughs> send you, do you then ring them up yeah. and say, oi, how am I supposed to update this? And they then send you a CD. They which send they you a CD, you. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they then send you a CD oh. from their preferred antivirus maker well, yeah. <laughs> that you then pay for. Well, you think it'd be a grace period. I mean, that would be the logical thing. But you know, you know what I... You can see what they're trying to do. They're trying to take what they would say is a proactive approach, like you know. But it's so. Why are they passing it on to the user? Well, in that respect, I think the the heart's in the right place. But what I wouldn't mind seeing is a variation of this, and that is where ISPs uh, run if it what effectively is a vulnerability scanner and scans the machines on their network, which they can do anyway. And if any of a certain you know number of known vulnerabilities are identified, then the user is, I don't know, given a, a week or so, whatever it is, to patch those up in whatever way they choose. Whether it means turning on the firewall or upgrading software or whatever. That I wouldn't mind. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's done with it, an industry, industry standard vulnerability scanner, not something that has been cobbled the, together by the ISP. To how sort does of that tell pod. whether or not they've got antivirus or anything? That's but that's a point. Okay, for it would just they, see they, they would solve the antivirus. You're right. Externally vulnerable yeah. for for hacking, not not hacking from with the inside. But having said that, that's the biggest threat now, though. These different things get in. Yeah, but that's the biggest threat. The biggest threat now is not. I mean, viruses are still around. Yeah, sure, but they're not the biggest threat. The biggest threat now are these are the the holes that exist. Yeah, yeah, but this here is talking about. Well, it's ensuring about antivirus, ensuring firewall, ensuring all of these different things to completely, you know, protect the the machine to various levels of the word protect. You'd think the virus thing wouldn't be too hard though, because I mean, what do vi- how do viruses spread? Typically by email. Yeah. You know, and 
I mean, that's going to go through your RSP anyway, but. I, it just, ah. Uh, <laughs> you, you don't like it. You don't it like it. It reeks of a quagmire to me. It reeks of a quagmire. Why are they forcing all of these things onto the user, which is going to cause the user to either have to buy, you know, software and things that have been elicited and sold directly from their ISP or they won't be able to connect to that ISP, have some sort of, you know, monitoring stuff on your computer that's monitoring whether or not you've got your antivirus installed and what your current firewall settings are. What else is it going to be monitoring? That's It's basically installing spyware or, you know, nannyware on your PC. Nannyware, um, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> whether or not you want it or not. And it's passing it off onto the users. The ISPs can do a lot of the blocking of these sorts of things themselves. But once again, when they get too heavy-handed in that blocking, all they're doing is affecting their users. For instance, what about all of the users who run different versions of IM software that go through different ports and things? So you do a scan and you see something that's open on a specific port. What's to say that that person isn't running an IRC client or isn't running a um, an application which allows them to click to one of the many different text-based multi-user games. Yeah, which but runs sometimes you can tell by by inspecting a little deeper, by looking at versions and the responses and things like that. Well, well it is, but then you're starting to get into that. those deep traffic, deep, you know, deep um, probes and a lot of um, the more technical savvy people out there or people who are running machines, server machines through ISPs, maybe even commercial stuff, their machines are going to start alerting them to the fact that people are starting to probe them and perhaps this is an intrusion attempt. <laughs> well, I mean, at the end of the day, they might have to live with that, to be honest, if it went ahead because, I mean, the ISP, the ISP can do pretty much what they want so long as they're not attacking your computer well, or compromising they can, it. Yeah, they can do pretty much what you're on they their network. want to but, uh, a level that is acceptable to their client base. Well, yeah. That, well, the, Once again, well, where else if are they, they going to go, though? Point, if they press too far, then the, the people will just leave. Yeah, but where, where will they go? If this is law, if it becomes law I in know, Australia. that's the point. <laughs> right, so you're going to say that what, what you're getting it's at becoming, is that people will be, will be unhappy and there's nowhere else to go because they're all going to be like this. Exactly. People won't have a choice. All right, so oh, fair enough. Let's move on to Google. Now, last week we talked about, was it last week? We talked about uh, Google Street View collecting, or it might have been a couple of weeks ago. Google Street View data collecting, not just wireless. Yeah, wireless yeah, access point data. Data, exactly. Not just, yeah, what the, the idea is and the location of a point, but actual traffic going across that thing. That's right. And in, in France now, they've discovered that, in fact, the, uh, email passwords have actually been captured by this and partial content of emails have been, because they asked Google, they, it was, a, I think the CNIL, which is an organization of France, mm-hmm. uh, ha, asked under the Official Information Act, asked Google to supply them with the data that they'd collected and they basically went through it with a fine-tooth comb and they found email content and email passwords in that data. So now what they're deciding to do is whether they're going to uh, for that to a prosecutor to to bring a case against Google, or or whether some other action is is appropriate. But it's interesting because some people were sort of playing it down and saying, well, how much data really would have been collected? It would have been gobbledygook. But you know, no, this goes to show that <laughs> yeah, it just goes to show that Google's downplaying is incorrect. They in fact was personal and private 
information that was being collected through their scanning. <laughs> and that is a breach of privacy, a breach of security. <laughs> it is indeed. Under certain, under certain legislations, that would be considered what? Um, Cybercrime. Well, yeah. I mean, look, if you and I did this. Yeah. If you mm-hmm. and I did this, went to drove around and, you know, war driving, as it, as it was That's called. Right. War driving. <laughs> when it was prolific. Yeah. We would be, the book would be thrown at us. <laughs> we'd be taken to court. We'd be put in jail or whatever, fined. Well, you, you know what happened. If, if we said, if we said used, if we used Google's defense, oh, would this happen accidentally? I'm sorry. You know, the, the jury would laugh at you and go, yeah, right. Okay. You're, you're in jail now. Yep. Yep. So, but if you were a multinational company and had the millions of dollars required to hire the absolute best law firms around, you wouldn't even go see a court. <laughs> well, you know, that's a sad matter of the uh, of fact that, 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 that goes on. And, you know, it shouldn't be that way that money can buy you. You know, that's what happens. Yep, that is what happens. The, the larger you are, the more powerful you are, the less likely you are to pay for any mistake. Absolutely. That's your regular average everyday Joe would get screwed by. And, yeah, they, this, is, this is breaking the law. They broke the law. Now on to Apple. Uh, the there's been some you know all the hype about the iPhone four, yeah okay it's a, it's a wonderful device it, you know it's got an awesome display one of the highest re- well in fact the highest resolution display on any consumer electronics device. Yep, but absolutely gorgeous device. But Brilliant. it, it has its flaw. Well, it has a, you know what, a major yes. flaw that well whether or not you call it a flaw depends on who you are. If you're Apple, you say your claim is that no, it's the user's fault. And if you're the user, you say it's uh, an Apple design fault. Now, what it is, is that the way you hold the device affects its reception and quite dramatically in some cases as well. And the reason is, is because the way the iPhone 4 has been made, it's basically two bits of glass uh, with a whole bunch of electronics in the middle and around the outside is a, a metal band. Now, that metal band forms part of the antenna. And what I want to actually, Steve Jobs describes it best. Have a listen to this from the keynote. Now, because there have been a few photos of this around, people have asked, what are these lines in this beautiful stainless steel band? It turns out this is part of some brilliant engineering which actually uses the stainless steel band as part of the antenna system. And so one piece is Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, and GPS, and the other is UMTS and GSM. So it's got these integrated antennas right in the structure of the phone. It's never been done before. And it's really cool engineering. So what he's actually saying is that middle band around the outside of the phone is actually not one continuous metal band. It's actually been divided into two parts or three parts. I'm not really quite sure. I think it's uh, two parts. It's been divided into two parts connected with an insulator and they basically form the two antennas. So when you hold the phone, you're actually holding the antenna. And as you know, if you've got your hand gripped around an antenna, you're severely attenuating it. Mm. So I, you know, it it seems to be very much a flaw in the design of the iPhone, but Apple is is quick to dismiss that and say, well, no, just don't hold it in such a way. Hold it in this way instead of that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, if that was the case, why is there not a you know the little dips for a 
whenever you have a grip or something which is designed to be held in a specific way, they generally ergonomically shape it so that it will naturally conform in a specific way. Well, that's so right. They could have Why didn't done they that? do that if it was so finicky with the way that you held it? Well, you know, they could have done that. <laughs> Others have said that it's because, you know, if, you, if you're if you holding the, the the antenna, which is effectively, you know, around the, the outside of the, the phone, it's because your hand is conducting that it makes it so much worse. So if you just put a bit of uh, sticky tape over the metal band, it alleviates a problem a lot. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, wasn't that part of a design flaw? Well, exactly. Making the antenna a, 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 you know, a bare metal, (laughs) which can be so severely affected by the fact that people are going to touch it. Yeah, that's exactly. having it being on the sides where people are going to touch it. (laughs) It's it's just hilarious. Well, you know, a lot of tests have been done and it does seem as though the results you get are not consistent. It depends on who's holding it, how they're holding it, and also where they are is the other thing. So I, I suspect uh, that it, you know, I'm only reading between yeah, the lines, but it's a, in a, a weak signal, signal. area, yeah, 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 that you'd be uh, far more affected. And in fact, I suspect that in a good s- signal strength, an area with good signal strength, that you probably wouldn't notice. And you know, CNET actually did, who wrote the story, um, others have picked it up as well, but CNET, who wrote the main story, have run their own tests and they couldn't actually replicate it, but then other people have been able to, so... So there you go. It's um. Yeah, I like the way Steve Jobs says it's a brilliant piece of engineering, but is it really? <laughs> you know, it's, yes. it's never been done before. I wonder why. You want these because other people might have done it before and discovered that hey, half <laughs> the engineers when they hold it, it the the <laughs> the reception goes to pot. It's like it's the antenna. We need to shield it. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's funny. It so is. just it just goes to show that if you're one of the people who are affected by this thing, either put some sticky tape on your iPhone, or if you're in a low signal area where this is prone to happen, use a different phone. Or wear rubber gloves, maybe. You could do that as well. There could be a good aftermarket for, uh, for for iPhone gloves. <laughs> <laughs> what do you What do you think? Yes, silicone gel iPhone gloves, ergonomic, comfortable. And prevent you from blocking your <laughs> iPhone. Well, actually, what, actually, Apple. The other thing I forgot to mention, Apple do also say is that you can actually buy one of the mini cases for the phone around, and that will help. Mm. That's why Apple have actually said it's part of their solution. Yeah. Anyway, then when you think about it, the majority of people who own iPhones that I know of have them in some form of gel case. Yeah. Well, they actually, don't want to scratch them. Yeah, I must admit, I I have. Yeah. It's, All it's, the people I, know I find that, it hilarious is this absolutely beautifully designed, gorgeous looking device. And they're generally in these horrible, garish gel cases, <laughs> which cover up yeah, exactly. the prettiness of the device itself. Exactly. <laughs> maybe people just should put it in some... Maybe, they, maybe when they take them home, they take them out of the gel casing and put them on a little plinth so that they can admire the... The, the beauty of them. Maybe, maybe they do. <laughs> they take them off their dock and put them back into the little thing to protect them and, and take them off to work. <laughs> <laughs> some of those cases are pretty hideous. You're right. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> All right, on to another story. ICANN is, uh, looks like they might okay a .xxx top-level domain name for pornography wow. for adult sites. How many years has that been going on? Yeah, I mean, this has been going on for a long time now, hasn't it? 
Yeah. So, so finally, it could actually happen. It hasn't been signed off just yet, but uh, you know, they've I think they voted for it or they've provisionally accepted it. So, <laughs> That's hilarious. How much you want to bet the 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 first rush will be for xxx.xxx. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a point. I wonder how much <laughs> that would sell for. Yeah. Or www.xxx. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Unless there I, you go. You're unless, a fan of getting the www domain. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. You can, you can wait for that one. www.xxx. Oh, uh, look, I. You can I, have it forward to something else. It's going to get tons of mishits. Uh, yeah, but I probably couldn't. It would, but I, I probably couldn't afford it. <laughs> so there's an idea for our listeners out there. Maybe you can all bid against each other for www.xxx. Anyway, so look, I, I don't know how I feel about this. I'm, I'm kind of neutral. I think, yeah, that's fine. I mean, but I don't care if it doesn't go ahead. It's like, yeah, yeah it, it, I don't care if it doesn't go ahead. If it does go ahead, it's good for the industry. And it also means that there is a for, you know, another rather simple way for different nanny softwares and for different content filtering to filter out a, a large number of pornographic material. Yeah, I mean, you know, knowing something's on .xxx, you know it's adult. Yep. Having you said know that, you don't, so yeah. you know that in your net nanny program, you put that dot, dot, x, dot .xxx. My kid's not going to see that. Yeah, but having <laughs> said that, going the other way, you can't just say, well, if it's not .xxx, it's fine. Because, well, so, precisely, you know, because there will be. But yeah. all of the, you will see a large influx of those legitimate um pornography sites moving across to having an XXX domain. Yeah, a lot will. I, I suspect a lot will also keep the existing sites as well. Mm. And But, you know, it's... Or have them redirect to their .xxx. Or, yeah, or that. Yeah. That would be the best way. Because it's been the industry itself which has been lobbying for this. Yeah, that's right. For such a long time. And apparently already 110,000 pre-reservations uh, have been put in already. Oh, there's no way you're going to get XXX. Well, dub is probably already pre-reserved. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, never mind. All right, now, Brett, did you hear about the Geek Fest that went on this year, the third year running? I did, after you pointed out the the fact that it was on. Yeah, it was actually held right here in Wellington, New Zealand. And what it is, it's basically... Three teams, one from Australia, one from New Zealand, and one from the US, go head to head against each other. And they, what they have to do is build, I don't know the rules, you know, what the parameters are, but effectively, within a set of rules and parameters, they have to build a website for a charity. They're assigned, I think, a, a charity each, and they have to build them a website. In uh, 24 in, hours. In, in 24 hours, yeah. And they're judged. And the the first two years this ran, uh, New Zealand won. It was New Zealand versus Australia. I think uh, Team USA is has entered for the first time this year. Uh, uh, Australia won this this year. It was it was held uh, last week, and Australia Australia won. So the, yeah. their team are called the what are they called the Coderoos? <laughs> yeah, and the New Zealand ones are called the Code Blacks. And yes, uh, the American team is Team USA. Ah, oh, but. Their teams are always Team USA. Yeah. Anyway, so there you go. It's called Full Code Press. That's the name of the, what is it called? Competition, I suppose. I suppose it's a competition, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Uh, so you can look at uh, the details there at fullcodepress.com. Last story, Brett, you had a, you wanted to mention something uh, in relation to the World Cup. Yes, yes. Um, first off, I'd like to congratulate the All Whites for a superb job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> I mean, we, look, we ranked, that's the New Zealand, for those who don't know, that's a New Zealand football team. We, we were ranked, what, 78th in the world. We, 78th in the world. We punched a, way above our weight. Way above our weight, getting a 1-1 draw with Italy 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We um, finished higher than them actually on the on the points table. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that crazy? That is amazingly crazy. <laughs> but you know, there were a lot of underdogs this time. Uh, there, were, there were some countries, there were some, a lot of good teams that dipped out and a lot of uh, not so good teams that sort of came through. Mm-hmm. It was, a, it's very strange, but yeah. Yeah, it, it was quite odd. And one of the other things which people have heard about and has swept the internet as part of the World Cup is a noise. I think this World Cup and South Africa and this World Cup are going to be remembered for a specific yeah. noise. Kind of sounds like a mass horde of insects, bees invading. And that's the sound of the little vuvuzela horns, or in some cases, not quite so little vuvuzela horns. Oh, now, those things are so noisy. This, yeah, yeah. Constant drone. I mentioned this for two things. The first was a neat use of filtering technology to filter out from broadcasts the sound of the vuvuzela. <laughs> oh, I see. Had been, people had been wondering whether or not, when it was first starting to come through, whether or not it was something wrong with their sets. This constant <laughs> drone. Um, I can understand that. <laughs> so there was investigation into being able to filter out the vuvuzela from different broadcasts. But the the neatest, I think, the neatest use of the vuvuzela and going hand in hand with internet technology is a what I considered a hilarious parody of it. I've seen a lot of other people who've commented and think it's just completely ridiculous and what a waste of time, but I think it's hilarious parody on YouTube's part. YouTube has added in their newest version of their YouTube player a vuvuzela button. Looks like a little soccer ball, and if you click on it, over the top of whatever audio from whatever YouTube clip you're playing, it will play the vuvuzela sound. <laughs> oh, man, how annoying would that be? <laughs> oh, it's hilariously annoying. I, I think it's quite funny, actually, because uh, people have been, as you said, complaining about this vuvuzela thing that's just really been so big at the, the current World Cup. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, for YouTube to do this, I think that's kind of neat. Yeah, I yeah. kind of like it. A, I, I tried it out just not long ago. It's making fun of it. It's making light of it. I thought it was great. It is. It is. It gives you that, uh, you know, that stadium effect. Yeah, yeah. It, it does. It allows you to think whatever you're, you know, you're listening to your your latest rock band track from YouTube, and you've got the vuvuzela sound as if you are watching it in a South African stadium. <laughs> All right, Brad. Uh, I've got a great pun now. Uh, on that note, I think we'll wrap up the show. Oh dear. <laughs> Look, it had to be done. <laughs> Brett, I want to thank you very much for hosting yet another great show with me. Not a problem, Edwin. And uh, see you next week for episode 73. This was episode 72. Goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye.